0: Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. Partner Vest and our guests are unaffiliated companies.
2: Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. I'm Charlie Wright. Today is April 24, 2015. We're very pleased you joined us, and we're happy to be talking with Gregory Morris of Stadium Money Management. Greg, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio.
3: Hi, Charlie. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: So, Greg, you're talking to us from the hills of North Georgia, and I noticed that uh, you have an interesting background. You're the author of three books on technical analysis and signals. You spent years as stadium's chairman of the investment committee. You're a former Navy fighter pilot. You're a top gun graduate. You spent years as a commercial pilot. And does that mean that you also played third base for the Braves? (laughs)
3: <laughs> not quite, but it sounds kind like, of like a guy, somebody that can hold a job, doesn't
2: it? <laughs> you know, you're definitely an eclectic <laughs> man here. So in terms of what we're talking about today of investment uh, management, tell us about your background in history.
3: Well, I was a software programmer also. I had software in the early 80s and uh, got to be on Financial News Network a lot, and it was technical analysis software. I tell people I have master's degrees in what not to do in the market. In other words, the, I spent a lot of money learning those lessons.
2: As most and, of us uh, have.
3: I got involved in technical analysis in the 70s and have never looked back, and it served me very well. So, John Murphy, who used to be on CNBC, and I were a partner in a modestly named company, Murphy Morris, during the 90s. We sold that to stockcharts.com about 12, 13 years ago, and uh, then our money management company was merged with PMFM, which is now Stadium Money Management, and I just retired from them full-time at the end of last year, but staying on as a consultant and uh, kind of oversee the research, and I'm chairman of the uh, trust, so still very much involved. It's a great company.
2: Okay, great to hear. Tell us, first of all, to begin with, uh, Greg, how would you define uh, for us, uh, for our listeners' technical analysis, and tactical money management?
3: Technical analysis is uh, where you use price. In other words, price is your most important thing to analyze. You're not concerned with fundamentals. Uh, you don't care about earnings. Uh, you're looking at prices, and you're, you're measuring prices. And then as a trend follower, which was what I am, uh, you're measuring what the market is doing, then you're setting up a set of rules to tell you how to trade and invest that market. And then the other critical element there is the discipline to follow that day in and day out. And that's that's the technical approach or the tactical approach, if you will.
2: Okay, and you've written books. Tell us just briefly about the kinds of books you have written on technical analysis.
3: Well, the, the last one, which has just been out about a little over a year, is called Investing with the Trend. I kind of took the opportunity to dump about 40 years of experience into it. The first, it's in three parts. The first part, uh, I talk about some of the shortcomings in modern finance. In fact, I'm, I'm fairly critical of modern finance, the efficient markets, and the, the mentality of investors are rational and things like that. And, and I'm very critical of the buy-and-hold philosophy. The middle part is where I talk about markets that trend and how they trend and how to measure those trends, both uptrends and downtrends. And the third part is where I talk about creating a technical trend-following model, and I go through all the stages of that uh, in excruciating detail. And I tell people, I said, if you're going to get this book, don't drive a car or operate heavy machinery after you read it. <laughs>
2: Cure, uh, sure cure for insomnia, huh? Yes. And so that that's really what what you do, and that's what you have, that's what you have done for Stadium all of those years. Then I presume
3: that, that's correct. I've I've done that for about the last twenty years.
2: So you're not a stock picker. You're someone who determines when to be in and out of certain markets. Is that fair to say?
3: That's that's correct. We we did all this at Stadium with mutual funds up until 1993, but with e, the ETFs when they finally. The ETF started in the early 90s also, but there wasn't enough volume and enough select- selections available until 2003, and we moved everything from mutual funds over to ETFs, uh, mainly because the cost is considerably less. You can uh, sell them, buy them during the day. We're mutual funds, it's uh, on a close only basis, as everybody knows.
2: Right, so right.
3: That that changed our business significantly, and we grew we grew tremendously after we moved to ETFs.
2: So, well, what what does Stadion do for whom?
3: Stadian is advisor sold only now. We have a number of different strategies. We have six mutual funds. We have separate managed accounts, and then we have a, a large. We, it's about six billion dollars, and we have a large portion managing 401k plans for. Mutual of Omaha, Guardian, Lincoln, etc. And then our funds are on in UBS, Wells Fargo, Merrill Lynch platforms like that.
2: Does everything the stadium uh, does, Greg, is it on a tactical basis, moving in and out of various markets?
3: Yes. We, we've got an income fund, we've got a, a, a fund that is tactically defensive. One that uh, will go to cash. in fact, it's it's the it's our longest term fund. We've had it for well, our longest term strategy. We've had it, gosh twenty twenty one years now. And it's uh, we treat cash as an asset class. Uh, when the market starts down, we have stops on everything we own, and uh, when the parameters are right, we go one hundred percent into cash. And when the, the market, if the market turns around, starts back up, we'll eventually get back in. It's a very comfortable thing to do because most people, uh, when they're approaching retirement age, and of course that's a flexible number, but if they're minimally capitalized for retirement, whatever that number is, it's different for everybody, and they experience a bear market. If you take the last bear market, which started in October of '07, and we got back to even, I think, in March of 2013 or October of 2012, whatever it is, five and a half years is what it took. Right. It'll go all the way down 57% and then come all the way back up. And so a buy and hold strategy would have, we're assuming you buy and hold the S&P since that's all we can measure right now, is it took five and a half years where your, your assets didn't grow. If you were withdrawing money from an account, from your retirement account, say at 6% a year, and you figure out inflation and do it on a quarterly basis, you went down with the market and you still have not recovered and you probably never will recover. And that's, that's the devastation of bear markets when you're older. When you're 20s and 30s, you can probably live through them. But when you get older and you're minimally capitalized, that's the key word there, it could be devastating.
2: Well, not only that, but uh, Greg, uh, as an investment advisor, I've seen countless numbers of people who have not recovered because they didn't stay in the markets. Okay, and let's face it, when something goes down 50%, how much, what, what's your threshold of pain? How much pain can you handle? And so when they went down so far, too often people got out, and when that means that they have not participated in this recovery. The problem is not that really that they got out, the problem is that they went down in the first place. So for our listeners to, to make sure they understand here, Greg, let, 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 let's go over this a little bit. So you are invested in various ETFs that are focused on various markets and, I presume, sectors. That's correct. Okay. And then you measure which ones are in an uptrend, and your various portfolios will invest in those that are in the strongest uptrends.
3: That's exactly right. And when the market starts down, we we measure the overall market also. And when the market starts down and it gets below certain levels, we tighten up the stops on our holdings, and that takes us out. Okay. And, and if if a bear like if, if a bear market begins and we go down five or six percent, we're generally in cash by then. If the market continues on down, well, then we just sit there in cash. For for instance, in two thousand and eight, we were down about four and a half percent for the year. We sat in cash. We played a lot of golf. Uh, it was wonderful. Now. I also have to say that when you're in a strategy like that, you're not going to beat the market on the upside either because it's a defensive strategy. It's a comfortable ride, I tell people.
2: You know, Greg, we want to talk about that, but we need to quickly take a short break. But hold that thought, and we'll come back to uh, the disadvantages of tactical strategies when there's a bull market. We're talking with Greg Morris of Stadium Money Management on Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back.
1: And now
3: back to our show with Charlene, his guest.
2: Thank you, Paul. We're talking with Greg Morris of Stadium Money Management, and he's told us about their tactical uh, methods of managing money. So, Greg, uh, what many of our listeners may not really understand and know is how unique stadiums and your strategies are, because... Almost all mutual funds are buy and hold, and uh, they're in fact, they're even mandated to be fully invested in any particular time. They don't do this tactical management of getting in and out of markets like you do.
3: No, they don't. In fact, the name of the fund, if, for instance, if some fund says they're aggressive growth, then they are mandated that 80% of the assets must be in aggressive growth stocks. Period. Fund manager can select aggressive growth stocks all day long, but when the bear market comes along, he can go to the best, most conservative aggressive growth stock. Down with the market.
2: Yeah, as as we saw, that's the way it worked. So Stadium uh, does something that is very, very unique in the marketplace, and you have yes. been the uh, chairman of their investment committee to guide them and direct them along those lines. Would you mind sharing with us what you think are one or two of the critical and more important signals or, or um, signs of uh, uh, of an aging or a potential bear market?
3: Well, it's uh, when you're a trend follower, uh, we use price, but we also use a lot of breadth. Breath is like advances, declines up volume and down volume and new highs and new lows and the advantage of breadth is you know, most market indices are capitalization weighted so when they're going up, it's because the the top 10% of the stocks in those indices are the ones that are performing because they move that index the little stocks in an index contribute very little Breath, on the other hand, treats every stock equally, so Exxon Mobil could be up $25 one day, and Billy's Pizza, the smallest stock in the index, could be down a penny. For breadth-wise, they canceled each other out. So it's a much better picture of the overall market when you use breadth. There's a saying that uh, says the breadth arrives at the party on time, but it always leaves early. 1998, 1999 is a perfect example. Large cap growth was the only thing going up. Small cap, mid cap was declining those two years. And it was was telling us that the market is very weak. The underlying market is very weak, and sure enough, but it takes a while for that to happen. And that's why you need to always have stops on your holdings, because you never know exactly when it will happen.
2: Those are great points, and uh, that, that discussion of breadth, uh, I've got to tell you, is uh, somewhat unique. I don't read about that and hear about that a lot.
3: Uh, no, it, it's not followed very much. And that's interesting. It that, that happens to be one of my, the other books I wrote a lot, about 10 or 12 years ago.
2: Okay, well, we, we, we appreciate it. <laughs> And uh, so talk to us, will you, about what happens in bear mar- in, in bull markets. Uh, you're going to do well in a bear market, no question. Like you said, when the market was down th- 38% in uh, 2008 and really over 50% in uh, the total drawdown over that year-and-a-half-year year period, uh, you were down only four and a half percent but in, in a bull yeah, yeah in 2008 but in a bull market you're going to miss some of that upside because you are occasionally going to get signals that say to get out now that may not happen in 2013 when it was basically a roaring bull the entire year but like in 2014 we had two or three blips there where in January and October uh, it looked like the market could be headed south and so many indicators the type of which you use or we're going to say hey you know you better be cautious you better get out at least to some degree so how is performance in a bull market with your strategies?
3: Performance in a bull market is you got to remember we're starting when the market starts up after a bear we're starting at a significantly higher level than the people that rode the bear market down so we're we're starting way up above them and because we are a defensive strategy when the market does a correction say 7 8 10% it's going to take us to cash because we don't know if it's a correction till it's over right nobody knows the future that's we, we adhere to that strictly we don't know the future we just follow the model and that'll happen uh it's hard to say how many times a year that will happen, but that will cause us to underperform in a bull market. And, of course, the people uh, with listening to the cartoon, I'm sorry, CNBC all day long, uh, you know, their, their, their focus is on the last 30 minutes, and they really should have a longer-term focus on their investments in the time horizon because they the people... Have, a lot of people have forgotten that we've had 15 bear markets in the Dow Industrials in the last 120 years, and they average 40%, and that that's, that's, could be devastating. And so underperformance on the upside, while they might listen to their neighbor at a cocktail party that says he's up 20% and, and he's only up 10%, it, come, it comes back to you when you're able to go to cash during bear markets. You have to look at the long-term, big-term picture so that you get a more comfortable ride overall.
2: Those are, those are great words, uh, but you know it's it can be difficult to make that case when you've had a five and a half year bull market like we've had. Trust people, me, that, you know. That's so true. <laughs> yes. Uh, people, yeah, people tend to people tend to think that what has happened recently is going to continue to happen in the future. And uh, uh, you're certainly preaching heuristics. to the you're preaching to the choir here, Greg, about these uh, various things. no question about it.
3: Um, I figured that was. yeah, but there's a heuristic <laughs> called recency where people think the recent past extrapolates ad infinitum into the future.
2: Yeah, and then and, that's uh,
3: the market. The market has a real cruel way of teaching them that's not the way it works.
2: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, so, Greg, tell us uh, regarding your strategies, what keeps you awake at night?
3: Absolutely nothing.
2: <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, I, and I'm and I'm going to tell you why. It's because the strategy, it's not up to a person to decide what to do. It's a rules based model. That the portfolio management team follows with discipline in other words you don't wake up and say well what should we do today it's all laid out for you you follow the model you buy ETFs that are going up if they're not going up you don't buy them if the stops are hit you sell them we don't hold an investment committee meeting to determine whether to adhere to the stops why spend all that time determining what a stop is if you're not going to follow it and yes in bull markets, we'll get a whipsaw here and there, and it'll it'll make our performance during that bull market less than the bull market. But when you totally avoid the bear market, it's a really it's just a really I've got all my money in the strategy. It's a comfortable ride, and I'm not I sleep like a baby at night because I know I'm not going to get clobbered.
2: You know, that's uh, that's, nice the, 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 that's got to be a good feeling, and, and you, you're is. making good points. One of the questions I would ask, uh, especially for our listeners here, Greg, is that you talk about being in an uptrend, and yet an uptrend requires a time frame. And so are we talking about being in an uptrend over the past week, over the past month, over the past six months? What, what time frames do you find to be most productive?
3: Charlie, I hate saying that's a great question, but that really was. (laughs) Uh, If you're going to be a trend follower, the very first thing you must do is say, what is the minimum length trend I want to follow? If you don't do that, I don't know how you could ever be a trend follower because one up day is an uptrend. We like a three-week trend on average, 15 to 18 trading days. If we can get a good uptrend that lasts 15 or 18 trading days, we adhere to Newton's second law of motion that a uh, body in motion is going to stay in motion until it meets an uh, equal force. And most trends, once they get underway, will stay and continue. And, and that's, that's it in a nutshell.
2: Hey, we really appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, uh, so many people who are involved in your industry and in tactical management are unwilling to share uh, their really? views yeah. on, on that particular subject here. So thank you it, very much. It, it, uh,
3: it's hard to share something when you're talking out of both sides of your mouth.
2: <laughs> I got you. So uh, tell us, Greg. How can people find out more information about Stadium and about you?
3: Uh, I have. I, I'm writing a blog at StockCharts.com, and on the homepage of StockCharts.com, there's where it says blogs. My blog is called Dancing with the Trend. Kind of a Cute little name to, to identify a trend follower, and I, I try to publish about once a week, and uh, I get to say just about anything I want. And this last one I published yesterday was entitled News is Noise, trying to convince people to turn off the noise and just focus on their models. Uh, Stadion's website is StadiumMoney.com, S T A D I O N money.com, and it's just loaded with information.
2: Yeah, it is, and, I, and I've been on that, and uh, there, there is a lot of information there. Give us the name of your book again, will you?
3: It's called Investing with the Trend. Amazon carries it. It's published by the Bloomberg Press arm of Wiley, and it's been out about a year and three or four months.
2: Okay, and, and uh, that's an excellent excellent recommendation for anybody interested in trend-following investing, which is becoming more and more popular all the time here. So, uh, Greg, thank you very much for joining us today. This has been very interesting. Uh, What final parting words do you have for our listeners here?
3: Uh, Well, I could use an old trite expression that the trend is your friend. But if you're going to make investments, come up with a process. Don't just make wild stabs and follow hot tips. Come up with a process that you can follow with discipline, and you'll be much more successful whatever that
2: process is. You know, Greg, I would echo that and have heard that repeatedly from other money managers, that if you don't have that, uh, also the stomach is constantly churning, and you're constantly oh, second-guessing yourself, as you and I have found out, and many others. So thank you very much for those uh, words of wisdom. And any uh, information for Greg or any questions about Greg, you're happy to send us an email here at info at Radio. So, Greg Morris of Stadium Money Management and of uh, Dancing with the Trend, thank you very much for joining us today, and hope life continues to be good in the hills of North Georgia there. Thank you very much. Charlie, thank you. And to our listeners, you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OCTalkRadio.net. Thank you for joining us, and we wish you happy and productive investing.
0: No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.